Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back to Instant Analysis on the YouTube and podcast homes for BamaOnline.com. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BOL. In the wake of the Crimson Tide's 27-24 win over the Georgia Bulldogs in Atlanta, Georgia, Saturday afternoon, Alabama now nine straight wins in Southeastern Conference Championship games under Nick Saban. That is an 11th SEC Championship game win for the program overall. You're talking about seven straight wins for the Crimson Tide over the Georgia Bulldogs now in games played in either Athens or Atlanta, which is about as stunning as it gets. I had Alabama winning the game. I was off by a point. My bad. I had it 27-23. Missed it. But what a performance by this Alabama football team. And in some ways similar to the game in Atlanta a couple of years ago when Alabama got behind early, if you remember. Georgia got out to a 10 to nothing lead in that one. Alabama answered mightily, and that was the case once again Saturday as Georgia made it look easy on offense on that opening possession, right? Mike Bobo getting his main guys involved early. We wondered about Brock Bowers. We wondered about Lad McConkey. Both of those guys gave it a go. As the game wore on, it became pretty clear they were not 100%. But on that opening possession, the easy touch to Bowers in the flat, to hit an explosive, then McConkie later in the possession, and then just a simple zone run that goes right up the middle of the Alabama defense for a touchdown by Kendall Milton. It's 7 nothing Georgia, and you're thinking, wow, is this going to be a little bit of a continuation from a week ago? Uh, but give the Alabama defense a lot of credit because the offense for Alabama sputtered itself, especially those first two possessions of the game. I think it was six plays for four yards for the Alabama offense. And I thought maybe Alabama offensively came out a little bit impatient. Like there's a difference between being aggressive and being impatient. You know, Ty tried to take the shot on the deep ball on the opening snap of the game. Looked like Jalen Milrow slipped a little bit there uh, and really just didn't muster anything at all. But the defense went back out there after the Georgia touchdown and really set the tone for the next two, two and a half quarters. And even the touchdown Georgia got in the second half, later in the second half, that was essentially off a punt return. That was not a good punt by James Burnup. I know people talk about returns, but a lot of times it does start with the punt. That wasn't James's best effort. Really didn't give his coverage team any chance to get down there and cover that thing. And so Georgia was able to find a spark offensively more so in the kicking game, but Alabama really throughout, we saw complimentary football start to kick in. And we talked so much about the red zone and third downs and things like that. It wasn't an overly efficient first half for sure for Alabama where the red zone was concerned. I think got a little bit better there in the second half. What was it? One for nine at one point for Alabama on thirds. And they've got these stats backwards. Um, 
on uh, the stat broadcast feed here. They've got Georgia's under Alabama's, Alabama under Georgia. So bear with me a little bit on those. But uh, Alabama, when they needed it most, man, it gets to a 27-24 game. And even before that, you know, Georgia cuts it to what, 20-17 to there um, after the Carson Beck sneak from a yard out. And there's still a long, long way to go in the fourth quarter, but the Crimson Tide answers immediately. And I liked it from Tommy Reese because it ha- it had a feel at that time, kind of reminded me of the 2018 college football playoff national championship game, which we all remember for Tua Tonga-Vailoa entering the game in the second half and, and doing what he did to these Georgia Bulldogs in Atlanta. Um but it really started with the defense for Alabama in that second half. And Georgia was doing a lot of that to Alabama, especially in that third quarter. But when Tommy Reese and this offense needed to hit the gas because it had reached a point there in the fourth quarter where Georgia was dictating. Georgia essentially said, you know, we did some things in the first half where we rushed three, played a couple of spies on Jalen, and they did some of that in the second half. But I thought they were more aggressive, especially on early downs, not just in terms of trying to get to Jalen Milrow, but you saw Roydell Williams and Jameer Miller, especially Jam Miller, especially in the first quarter, have some success on the ground. So Georgia was very intent, especially trailing to take that away on early downs. And that's when you had Tommy dial up that uh, little hit in the middle of the field to Isaiah Bond. And what a hell of a, hell of a possession for Isaiah Bond in that 20 to 17 game there. It looked like he got in, they reviewed it. it looked like the form was down about a half yard short, but kind of helped Alabama in that scenario because they were able to run a little more clock before getting into the end zone. Of course, you knew it wasn't going to be that easy at 27 17. Um, you know, you kind of figured that uh, uh, Georgia would make it interesting, and the dogs did. Went down and got into the end zone, cut it to three with just under. Three minutes to go, but then again, I liked what Reese did early in that possession, that defining possession where Alabama iced the game, didn't hesitate to go quarterback designed run with Jalen Milrow. Hit it on the first snap of that possession uh, at 252 or so left in the game, and uh, Jalen wisely staying in bounds at the end of that, and uh, you know, at forced Georgia on its previous possession. Whereas the Alabama defense, even give it credit for this, didn't keep Georgia out of the end zone there, but, you know, forced Georgia into a fourth down, which forced Kirby to burn the first of his three timeouts. So that was a big sequence too, time management and kind of how that played out for the Crimson Tide. But when Alabama had to have it there in the fourth quarter, this team would not be denied. And we had heard it throughout really the last two months of the season and it played out right there in front of us on Saturday afternoon at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. So if you want to jump on board with us in the comments or the questions or uh, those things, uh, we'll get to some of that as we move along here. Uh, We're going to point to some key moments in this game, some key performers, you know, some guys that Jalen wins the, the MVP of the game, deservedly so. I mean, when the game was on the line, Jalen made the plays, Uh, but man, what a catch um, by Jermaine Burton. That sequence right there at the end of the half where, you know, Alabama, it looks like might go into the half tied, potentially down. The field goal goes off the crossbar after the false start penalty on Georgia. 
Peyton Woodring. He has his 50-yarder that probably would have been good from 45 go off the upright. Excuse me. I think I said the crossbar. I'm a Jaguars fan, so I'm still celebrating that Texans miss last weekend. But it goes off the upright, and Alabama doesn't just go to the lead, go to the half with the lead, which is important because George is getting the ball out to start the third quarter. They go down and get in the end zone. And what about the completion? We talk about Isaiah Bond, and I know it's a source of controversy. It's one of those things that I'm sure will be talked about a lot on the Georgia front. But hey, a lot of people were telling us it was the kind of play Georgia shouldn't even have needed in the game. But I give Isaiah Bond a lot of credit. I mean, it was as close to a clean catch as you can get in that situation. And also, Alabama did exactly what it needed to do in the aftermath. Get up there and run a play, which it was able to do. And you know what? Alabama didn't exactly benefit from a holding call on Jaden Roberts that we saw a little bit earlier either, right? But that was a pretty phantom call. Like Jaden had just gotten a straight up pancake there from his right guard position. They throw the flag, it's first and 20, but then Alabama answered that with a touchdown. So it's one thing to have the opportunity, uh, but it's another thing to cash it. And that's what Alabama did on a great catch by Jermaine Burton. Cause that was really good coverage by Dalen Everett, the Georgia corner who throughout the game played well, uh, but was victimized a couple of times. And, you know, we talk about some unsung heroes and next men up as it's called these days, or uh, what about Trey Amos stepping in there in corner in the third quarter, you had the play where Dallas Turner and Kool-Aid collide. And it's not late in the third quarter. There's still, pretty much two full quarters of football to go. Dallas really wasn't right after that either. You know, you saw some third downs late in the game where Q Robinson was out there um, with Chris Braswell. So, you know, it looked like on that play, like Kool-Aid maybe got a hip or something like that from Dallas, friendly fire as they call it, uh, to the head. And you didn't see Kool-Aid the rest of the game. But Trey Amos, I know he had an opportunity for an interception, Christian Story had an opportunity for an interception, but where those guys were dialed in, you know, Trey Amos was the epitome tonight, today, of being ready when your number is called. And he straight handled his business. Very, very good. I thought Terry and Arnold played well. You had the big third down pass interference call on Terry and there. What was it in the fourth quarter? You know. Yeah, I guess you can call that. You can call a lot of things pass interference in college football that doesn't go called. In the NFL, you're going to get called for that. But in college football, it's usually hand-to-hand combat, you know, on some of those routes. But Georgia threw that route on its sideline. Its whole sideline goes nuts, and here comes the flag. So uh, big, big moments. Uh, What about the Georgia guys, the former Georgia guys, right? We talked about Jermaine Burton. Um, with his touchdown catch, what about Trez Marshall with the fumble recovery? And that was actually uh, a situation where if you're an Alabama fan, you wanted to see that short field converted for a touchdown. Unfortunately, it did not. It was another red zone field goal for Will Reichard, who, by the way, congratulations to Will, now the all-time leading scorer by himself in NCAA history. So, uh, you worried about that because it made it a 20 to 10 game when it could have been 24 to 10. Uh, but Georgia's won 29 games for a reason. It, it was never just going to be easy, right? 
And so Georgia with Carson back and, you know, some of those guys that they've got, we, and we talked too about throughout the week, not probably going to be a lot of explosive runs from running backs. I thought Alabama was effective running the football in the first half and the first quarter, uh, but it just wasn't going to be a game. Not, not so much even because of the front sevens for both teams, although that has something to do with it. Uh, these aren't backs that are uh, Jameer Gibbs and Josh Jacobs, you know, some of those guys that we've seen in this series. Uh, uh, DeAndre Swift for Georgia was a burner, still is, uh, I guess, what, for the Philadelphia Eagles these days. So a lot of stuff to get into. I know you've got a lot of things to say as well. And we'll start with SK, who says, glad we won, but. How do you have a but in the first four words of your comments after a win like that? You just beat a team on a 29-game winning streak, and within the first five words, you've got a but for me, SK. But Milrow refused to run all night and put his team in a spot because of it. He showed what he could have been doing all night. Why did he wait? I don't know what that was. Well, you know, I think Georgia defensively was intent on doing some things. Sometimes it's the other team, too. Now, I will give you this. There were times where he held the football where he had time, if not to run, because Georgia had a couple of guys spying him, to certainly get rid of the football and save those sack yards. Uh, and he had a couple of those, granted. Uh, but I thought he obviously did some really good things in the run game later. You know, and... I get sometimes folks want to see him maybe be more aggressive in the open field in terms of cutting back, getting into traffic, uh, but it seems to work out okay for him. Uh, it seems to work out okay for Jalen, and it did in the end. Uh, Tuan uh, is checking in from down in, I believe, the Fort Myers area. He's a happy cat tonight, so there you go. Uh, Brett Prylinski. Said he was looking forward to the show tonight. Y'all are awesome. Would love to hear your thoughts on Caleb Downs' performance tonight and what you see his role being moving forward. His role is going to be that of an All-American, Brett. And I thought he was really good once again. And it's not like they try to hide Caleb Downs and what they do defensively. I mean, he is pretty much front and center in terms of how they use him. Uh, he took care of the ball on punt returns. I thought he had one maybe earlier in the game. It was a bomb. You probably remember the punt I'm referring to, uh, where the Georgia punter possibly outpunted his coverage. And it may have come from the sideline that we're fair catching this no matter what. So that may have been it. I would have liked to have seen him try to give that one a run. But uh, he's great. You saw also early in the game, Georgia, Georgia once it saw – a couple of things, especially Trey Amos. Once it identified that Kool-Aid was out of the game, it made it a point to go at Trey Amos, and not just in the passing game, but also on some perimeter runs and some quick game stuff. Let's see what this guy's got. But I've been pretty, pretty adamant since Alabama added Trey Amos from Louisville, Louisiana, excuse me, in the portal. You go back and watch him last season at Louisiana. That This isn't this isn't some developmental guy. This isn't some big drop-off guy from your top two guys. Look, Terry and Arnold, Kool-Aid McKinstry, or NFL guys, I get it. Trey Amos is going to be as well. Um, but Caleb, you know, early in the game got matched up on Bre uh, Brock Bowers and did a pretty good job. That was a ball that I thought Malachi might have a shot at. You know, one of my predictions for this game was that safeties for both teams would have interceptions because – 
they're not afraid to work the middle of the field. And I had watched Carson Beck early in some games, uh, even against Tennessee. He did throw one in that kind of spot early in a game. Uh, it was wiped off by a defensive hold on Tennessee, but kind of felt like these quarterbacks might get a little loose in the middle of the field. Uh, but Caleb Downs was excellent. And he typically is. We've got all kinds of folks checking in. Glad to have you here with us on Instant Analysis. Uh, we got another one here. I'm just a dude playing a dude. All right. Milrow is that dude. All right. I'm just a dude playing a dude. Milrow is that dude. Just holds on to the ball a millisecond too long. He does. I mean, there's times where it happens. There's no denying that. Um, but there's also times when he does it that it it pays off. You know, and I, I go back to as well, he, he's probably more likely to do it right now because the offensive line has improved to the point and the protection has pr improved to the point where he's not skittish back there. Remember how he looked after the first couple of three games that he played this season? There was no comfort level in the pocket. And then you watch him against a team like Georgia 10 games later, it's pretty astounding how comfortable he looks. Maybe sometimes he gets too comfortable. But I also take that again as a good thing because he's doing it because he's getting used to great protection against really good competition, I think. Brett also checking back in. I'm so excited to be done listening to Gary Danielson complain about every call that goes Bama's way. I, You know, I watch a lot of SEC football, so I don't think it's just a Bama thing with Gary. I will say that, that Gary, I felt like, had Al Michaels-level energy as it got late in the game on Saturday night. Um, I think Gary Danielson is good at what he does. I don't think you you can't not be good at what you do and be in that seat for as long as he was. But he does. He loves the he loves to ref games after the fact. After the play, he loves to come back. Oh, watch. Oh, wait. What? Something illegal there. And that was the case on Bond's catch. I mean, they even brought in their uh Gene, their uh rules guy at the half to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah, I saw that. I heard that one too, Brett. He he said he never liked the uh defensive PI penalty when a ball's underthrown to a wide receiver. Well, they've only been calling that one for how many years now? Lynn Williams checking in. Lynn wants to talk some uh uh I guess some CFP. I don't know exactly what that is. Lynn's talking about Milrow as well. Uh, Thomas Foster checking in. We'll keep it moving here. Interesting how in 2021, it was UGA's defense that was playing good all year and our offense stepped up and shocked the world. And then this year, it was the reverse. It was a lot like 2021 uh, in a lot of ways. I mean, you had Alabama coming off of an unsettling performance at best on the road at Auburn and I said this on Thursday night tied with Clint and Jimmy a couple of nights ago. I didn't get from the Georgia camp the type of confidence I did before the 2021 SEC championship game. I didn't. Now, I don't go scouring or stalking people on social media to try to find those things, but I didn't have to two years ago. I mean, it was coming across my timeline, whether I wanted to read it or not, that, oh, man, Georgia's going to win this game by 30, you know, and. Um, I didn't get that from Georgia this time around, but yeah, I mean, the defense 
you know, again, as we talked about, this, this was not a game for offensive enthusiasts. You know, when you talk about total yards, 306 for Alabama, 321 for Georgia, 192 passing for Milrow, 243 for Carson Beck. Uh, first downs were pretty much dead even. Third downs were tough to convert. Fourth downs, interestingly enough, both teams went two for two on fourth downs. Total plays, they were right there. You know, 64 plays for Alabama. Really, when you think about it, how did Alabama end the game with those three or four or five plays? 60 for Georgia. Yards per play, 4.8 for Alabama, 5.4 for Georgia. Uh, but you had some guys step up in some big, big spots, including Isaiah Bond, who finished with five catches for 79. And a couple of those on that drive to push that lead back out to 27 to 17. Folks, won't forget about some of those. What about the flip from Jalen? I think that was a third down, wasn't it? That was a lot like, if you remember a couple of years ago, Bryce Young in the open field just kind of threw a flag football or triple option pitch to Brian Robinson over on the Alabama sideline. Yeah, that's kind of what that felt like. Uh, I think that was a third. Yeah, it was a third and two. Um, and it was uh, that little toss out there, that little flip, where it looked like he had Isaiah open early. He just didn't see him, but he was able to get back to him. So very much, uh, in some ways, a retro game on Saturday with the defenses uh, doing their thing. You know, Georgia finishes the game with 78 rushing yards, and that's another reason why it's really rough to try to just assume things on the heels of a performance like Alabama's against Auburn last week, against the run. You know, Auburn runs for 240-plus, turns right around, you know, holds Kendall Milton and also Dejon Edwards to a combined, I guess it's 80 rushing yards on 23 carries. So that was plenty good enough for the Alabama defense uh, to kind of put the game more, did a, did a pretty good job at times of doing what they really wanted to do in this game, which was make Georgia not just throw the football, because Georgia will stay in that quick game as long as you'll let them, but make Georgia throw the football in a way that requires Carson Beck to sit in the pocket for a little bit. And maybe it didn't show up as much uh, in terms of sacks. Alabama with two sacks in the game. You had a Boigby with one. You had Dallas Turner with one. Uh, but you did have five pass breakups. And look, a couple of – three of those, more than half of your pass breakups came from subs. Trey Amos had two, and Story had the other one on a play where, you know, he could have had an interception there down in the red zone, just wasn't able to, to come up with it. Terry and Arnold with a PBU, uh, Kool-Aid with a PBU, but it, it took everybody. It took everybody. I thought Burnup was a little bit inconsistent again, kind of like what he was at Auburn. Uh, had a huge punt. Uh, I think it was his second punt of the game. Really flipped the field, but then – you know, the punt on the long return for Georgia that set up that touchdown that really tightened things up, that just it was a dying quail right in the middle of the field, and your guys don't even have really a chance to get down there. And here comes Evans, the return guy, running right by, back by your return coverage, uh, your punt coverage guys. So, um, you know, that's going to happen. But uh, we've got some more folks checking in. 
defense did a great job shutting down Brock. Yeah, I thought so. You know, he had the he had the explosive early. He had a hell of a catch down inside the five too there in the fourth quarter for a guy that was less than 100%. Uh, he's still an animal, man, still an animal, but you know, Alabama for the most part gave up the one deep ball, got caught in a little bit of a screen and go situation. If you recall, I think it was Arian Smith for Georgia. that got behind the Alabama defense, had a couple of those matchups for safeties on both teams in the game. Jermaine got Malachi Starks, uh, like that. I think that was the PBU on the underthrow that he was able to draw when he got on Malachi Starks' toes and ran right by him. And then Smith for Georgia did it on some sort of screen and go action. And he runs by Jalen Key and ends up picking up uh, a big one. But Bowers, five catches, 53 yards. Lad McConkey, three catches, 38. I mean, if I tell you before the game that those guys are going to have eight catches, for 91 yards, yeah, you probably feel okay about that. You know, Dom Lovett, the Missouri transfer, really wasn't a factor. Dylan Bell, um, he did draw a PI uh, in the game, I believe, uh, working at the wide receiver position. But Alabama did exactly what it needed to do. We talked about, again, the explosive plays and you know keeping those to a minimum. And you know, Georgia had six pass plays of 15 yards or more. That's that's manageable. And then, again, in the run game, just two runs of 10 yards or more for Georgia in the game. Conversely, you know, when you look at Alabama from that perspective, identical. That's kind of the way this game was. Six pass plays of 15 yards or more for Alabama, two runs of 10 or more for the Crimson Tide, and none bigger. Then that 30-yarder by Jalen Milrow to help ice the game. Again, good stuff from Jalen in terms of recognition. Uh, staying in bounds there and, and and helping to bleed that clock a little bit more. DJ J- J- Star. I don't know if I got that right. Um, Trey Amos played great. He did. We just talked about that. And what is your CFP prediction? Woo! How about tomorrow now? I got the uh, I got the double box on right now. Um, not so much because I, I expect Iowa to do anything against Michigan, but I I want to see Louisville and Florida State. I'm going to tell you what it should be um, it, it, in a couple different scenarios. I think Alabama should be in. Uh, I, I I don't understand how you can leave the SEC out. I do. I mean, Georgia lost tonight, so that kind of paves the way. Uh, if you want to make it more about rewarding teams for unbeaten seasons, if Florida State does that, for me, it's not between Alabama and Texas. People keep making it about Alabama and Texas. I think Texas should be in. I think Texas should be in. One loss conference champion, beat Alabama and Tuscaloosa. I, I hear you on all that. Um, but I, I just, the reality of it is, I guess as Greg Sankey would like to say, is that Florida State, to me, is not going to be as competitive. You know, if you're looking for competitive balance in your field, too, I don't see that being the case if Jordan Travis, and he's not, is going to be able to play. And in fact, uh, what, did Florida State, did they play, did they start Rotomaker tonight? Or did they go with the true freshman, third strangers? <laughs> um, so we'll have to see. about. But I think Alabama should be in. I think Georgia's out. You know, it sucks for Georgia, but 
if you're putting Texas in, in large part, because Texas has the head to head on Alabama, well, you're not putting Georgia in instead of Alabama for sure, because of head to head. And it takes another spot based on what matters most to the selection committee. So for me, even if it goes to chalk tonight, even if Florida State wins tonight, goes 13-0, and it should be. Um, I think Georgia's a top-four team. Don't get me wrong. But you know, things. This, this was a playoff game tonight. I said that all week. You know, The playoff starts today. It doesn't start December 31st or you know, January, whatever. It started today. And you, well, it started last night. I mean, you had Washington and Oregon in a playoff game. And I think Alabama, Georgia was a playoff game. And I think the winner of that game should definitely be in. Do I think there's any way that two SEC teams will go in now? No, I don't. And so if it comes down to one or the other, if you're putting Texas in because it beat Alabama, then you need to put Alabama in because it beat Georgia head to head. I mean, it is the, Went 9-0, 8-0 in the regular season in the SEC, won the conference championship game. And so with that, it should be Alabama. Now, what we'll do tomorrow here on our YouTube channel is uh, Tim Watts is going to join me in the immediate wake of the selection committee announcement. (laughs) So this could be a very interesting place to be tomorrow uh, around midday. Uh, We'll see how that goes. But that my four would be, uh, Michigan takes care of business tonight, Michigan, Washington, uh, Texas, and Alabama. That would be my four. Let me know what you think. Tim Green, he's checking in. Uh, what an emotional ass game. Yeah, Tim, that's one way to put it. Yeah, that was one of those. I mean, it's business as usual, right? I mean, that's that's what these games are about. Living a dream life, says, to be perfectly honest, UGA and its fans will benefit from eating a little humble pie. I don't even know if it's Georgia's fans as much as it is some of Georgia's former players that I see on social media. Wow. You know, that game tonight or today kind of had the feel of when you heard David Pollock say to Nick Saban on live television in the pregame before Georgia TCU last January, it almost felt like, yeah, if these two teams play again, or if they play in 2023, Georgia's probably got an L coming. It just felt like one of those things where you, you know, get it in while you can, Dave, uh, but it probably doesn't taste so good tonight. And what Dave said in the last couple of days that you know, Kirby, I guess he, I guess he, um, he presented it with right now. Okay, well. Yeah, I mean, Kirby had won 29 straight. I don't think anybody was going to argue that there was a better coach in college football than uh, Nick Saban, but now he's one in five against Nick Saban. So Dave may have to rethink that. Nicholas checking in. Jacob Walters checking in here. He says, I'm an Ole Miss fan. I don't like Bama because we can't beat them. But if they don't get into the CFP, this whole thing is a joke. I agree, Jacob. I started beating that drum on Monday. The to me, the legitimacy of the playoff hangs in the balance tomorrow. If you want a legitimate playoff and you're not going to have the team that in the last 31 games is the only team to beat the two-time defending national champion, then don't put Alabama in. In fact, just leave the SEC out altogether while you're at it. Yeah. 
uh, it would be tough, but I don't know, man. I don't know how much I trust this committee. Paul Witt checking in. Order restored in the SEC. Game ball to Amos. I agree with that, Paul. For stepping up the OL. Proctor is a different player from September to October. He has grown up. And, you know, I wondered a little bit as you started to see it, okay, is this really Caden Proctor uh, moving forward as a player? Or is this also maybe the schedule hitting a point where he caught some relief as far as edge guys go? But, you know, after watching him again in this one, no, I, I think he is. He's 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 going to be elite, I think, for the uh, – for the next couple of uh, next couple of years, Richard Coe says Bama's touchdown off the wheel route looked just like the one Auburn scored on against us. Yeah, it's similar. I mean, it's a similar concept. That was I know people call it a wheel. I guess the modern day vernacular is they call it the rail route, and a lot of times you'll see it off of mesh, which mesh is crossers in the middle. So you bring the back around this mesh, this guy running the slant, double slants, and uh, you get the back wide open. And Kirby, after the game, I heard him talk about it. I think C.J. Allen, the true freshman, was responsible for jam there, and he just kind of busted the coverage. So good play call by uh, by Tommy Reese and nice execution by Jalen and Jam. Joe Hall said, I felt like the number one key to the game was the front seven minimizing the Georgia ground game. Well, it needed to start there, Joe. No doubt about that. And it didn't look so good after Milton walked in, right, to cap that first drive. But as we talked about, from about that second Georgia possession, really for most of the rest of the game, uh, Alabama answered the bell in the front seven. You know, played a couple of different guys at inside linebacker. Uh, Jihad, um, Trez we talked about earlier, the big fumble recovery. Uh, and it was kind of a game because Georgia doesn't have dynamic backs that I felt like Trez could be more involved in, you know, and maybe that didn't work as much to the benefit of Jihad, who, you know, in another year in the sports science program at Alabama, he is going to be better equipped for some of these uh, inside running games. You know, he's, he's going to have more to work with and, uh, and, and Trez did some good things too. Ted Turner said, is this the Ted Turner, by the way? WTBS Ted Turner? Ted Turner said, this was my championship game no matter what happens. I think I think more than a few Alabama fans, Ted, feel kind of that way. You know what? Snap Georgia's 29-game winning streak, won the SEC title, put it in the lap of the CFP, you know? And if the CFP says that's not good enough, well, you know, I, I think there's some – Georgia fans, they I mean, Alabama fans, they won't be happy. Don't get me wrong. But I, that's the way I felt going into this week was win and put it in the hands of the CFP. If they put you in, then you should be in. If they don't put you in, they're the ones that are going to have to deal with it and hear about it. It's not going to be Alabama. You know, Alabama earned the right to bitch Saturday night, in my opinion. I'm just a dude playing a dude, says, checks back in. He says Washington – Michigan, Texas, Alabama. That's kind of what I went with. Um, they're not going to put Georgia. I don't think there's any way they'll put Georgia and Alabama in. If you see Georgia go up tomorrow on the board, it probably means Alabama they can get in, as crazy as that, that sounds. 
Let's check in with Lumpy Dez. Kirby said at halftime they were playing for their lives. Did they die? <laughs> well, you know, he kind of got led into that that question. Uh, the sideline reporter for CBS, I think, used something similar to that. Um, so that may have had something to do with it. Blaine Francis, never seen Saban more proud of a team. Whatever happens, my heart is happy. There you go. There's another uh, can live with whatever happens from here, give or take skipping a few beats in the last two games. Yeah, Blaine. And it was real, you know, on that podium post game and you see Nick up there and I've heard him say it before. He has to be careful. I get it. He he has to say, I've never been more proud. Um, you, you don't, you'll seldom if ever hear him say, I've never been prouder is it's a little different, but absolutely. I mean, starting with Jalen Milrow. Uh, in the path he followed through has followed through this season and not done yet, but uh, just so many of this, so many areas of this team and so many guys stepped up and played big time roles. Just again, just again, in this game, Trey Amos, Christian story. Um, you know, you didn't have Jace McClellan in this game. So a lot of guys uh, did a lot of great things. Uh, more Trey Amos love here in the comments. Yeah, Michael, he was. Um, Tennyson Lane, roll tide from Winston-Salem. Like the video. Yeah, we appreciate that. That's right, Michael. We talked about that earlier. Five and one against Kirby. And you know what? Scott makes a good point here. It was the same score as the Auburn game. And I nearly went with that score just because of that. It's like, It'll be a different game totally than it was last week. Um, but Alabama will win the game by the same score. It, it won't feel like the same game. It won't be a game where Alabama doesn't have control at some point or for a good bit of. Um, but that that's that's I mean, I, I I didn't. I went 27-23. I didn't do it. JC checking in, Georgia fan here. Congrats, Bama, on the win. Now go and win another one for the SEC. See, that's the kind of fan you like right there. You know, JC's not content. He's just watched his team win two national titles back-to-back, 29 straight. You know JC wants to make it three straight. But uh, uh, handling himself uh, with class. Yeah, Chase, we were talking about Caden Proctor. I uh, didn't hear his name all night. You're right. Uh, the O-line stepped up big. Uh, we talked about the Jaden Roberts hold earlier. I didn't I didn't really get that. Um, that didn't look like a hold. Uh, again, give Alabama credit, response to a first and 20, boom, touchdown. So uh, that's what matters most. But Caden, is he's become that dude already. He has absolutely become that guy. Scott Turner, fourth in a mile to SEC champs. Yeah, I mean – it's kind of that way. It was first in a mile two years ago at Auburn. What was it? First in 99. So you had first in 99 two years ago, then an SEC championship. And then you have um, fourth and 31 followed up <laughs> by a uh, SEC championship. Sully, 462. I didn't get to watch one down of the game prior due to a prior commitment, but I was happy to come home and see the outcome of it. You know, Sully, that might be the best way to do it. You know, just go to a movie or a party. It's Christmas party season. You know, back in my youth, I actually watched 
an Alabama SEC championship game from a a uh, a Christmas party, and Alabama won that one. So it, it was pretty lively, if I do say so myself. That was before my time with BOL, by the way. Ben Dover. All right. He's got the Cousin Eddie emoji to go with that handle there. Who's 52 on the O-line? He was mauling people. Well, that's one Tyler Booker, Ben. And he did. You know, guard to guard. Uh, some good stuff. Snaps. At times, were a little shaky again. Uh, but nothing like uh, late in the fourth quarter last week, for sure. But no, Tyler Booker. Um, you know, you, you put him over there now with Caden Proctor, and then you got Jaden Roberts now on the other side to go with J.C. Latham. Uh, it's a, it's a, it can be fun to watch at times. Bama Bob, I wouldn't miss a minute unless I had to. Yeah, I mean, there's look, I I I don't know how you miss it. I might, you know, if I didn't have the job I have, I might go somewhere, but somewhere would have the game. You know. <laughs> Michael says Sully's technique would save years all my life. Yeah, absolutely. I think it absolutely would. So now you wait, right? Now you wait until tomorrow. This could have been so much easier. You know, Georgia just win the game like we were told was going to happen by a lot of folks. Georgia's in the college football playoff. You're kind of just expecting to see Alabama maybe going to the Fiesta or I guess the Fiesta, I guess Dallas would have been in play. It still might be, who knows? We don't know, but that's, that's sort of the contingency plan right now. Uh, if it, if it doesn't go Alabama's way tomorrow and I, I don't, I don't have anything definitive to tell you or a feeling to tell you about where this thing's going to go. I tell, I, I'll tell you how I think it should go. Um, but I can't say for certain that's the way it's going to go tomorrow. Yeah, I agree, Tim. Tim says noon is never going to get here. Just when you thought you couldn't sleep last night before this game, now you got to sleep tonight before you get to the selection thing tomorrow. Um, Nika, I just talked about some predictions for the college football playoff. Um, I, I, I think what it should be, uh, is Michigan, Washington, Texas, Alabama. And then you still kind of still get two SEC teams, right? You got Texas coming in. Uh, kind of stinks for the Big 12. Boy, Texas rolling through the Big 12 this year on the way out the door. I wondered in that Big 12 game if they would even do the podium, you know, like the big setup in the middle of the field, the confetti and everything. I almost was expecting someone from the big 12 just to take the trophy out, set it in the logo on the 50 and just walk off <laughs> shaggy DA. Yeah. How about that handle? Don't know if anyone is watching this Florida state Louisville game, but I think there are maybe a total of 40 yards between them and the first quarter is almost over. And I understand if Florida state wins this game, you can say, yeah, see, they're going to have close to a month to get it right offensively. Remember when Marcus Altson was going to quarterback Florida State past Tennessee in the at the end of the 98 season? Yeah, that didn't happen either, did it? I just, you know, it, it's it's tough. It stinks for Florida State. I mean, you're not you're not happy about it. And Jordan Travis is I love to watch Jordan Travis play football. Um, but the season is long. And eventually the season will catch up to you. And Alabama 2021 knows that as well as anyone. 
that was a team that was good enough and perhaps was uh, on the the cusp, no was about it, What it absolutely was, uh, of winning a national championship. What, eight minutes away? Uh, but at some point, for some teams, 13, 14, 15 games uh, catch up with you. And unfortunately for Florida State and Jordan Travis, I think that's kind of where the Seminoles sit right now. So we're going to have continuing coverage for you right there at BamaOnline.com. Charlie Potter in Atlanta, Georgia. So we've got plenty of updates coming post-game. They don't open up the locker room post-game for the SEC championship game like they used to. So you won't get that. But everything we can give you, we're going to have for you at BamaOnline.com. We're going to have second watch tomorrow. I got to go. I'll go straight from this to editing clips into the wee hours. Work on that through tomorrow morning. Try to get it up around midday for you. But at about simultaneous to that, we're going to have the announcement of the CFP field. And then right here live, I'll have Tim Watts with me and we'll go through it. Either way, we're going to be here. Whether Alabama gets in or doesn't, we're going to have a show. Uh, immediately after those uh, pairings, those uh, matchups are announced. So you'll want to come back here. I'll get it out via the roundtable message board. I'll get it out via Twitter. But right there at Bama Online, we got you covered. Roundtable, our premium message board. You want to keep this conversation going? Roundtable, our premium message board at BOL is the place to do it. Travis Ryder, thanking you once again for joining us here. On instant analysis, following the Alabama Crimson Tide's 33rd SEC title? Do I have that right? Do I have that right? I'm looking. I'm not going off. I'm not ending this show without uh, getting that right. Yeah, I think that's right. I believe that is accurate, man. But we'll have it all for you at BamaOnline.com. Thanks again. Have a great night and join us right back here on our YouTube home for post-CFP announcement reaction uh, from BOL. Good night, everybody. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chabacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chabacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply